All right, Ephesians chapter 5. Last week we began a new series entitled Be. Be. I've just been resonating in my spirit on this word be. It simply means to exist or to live. And this question that, that has just been uh, going around in my mind, in my spirit, in my heart is, how do I want to be in 2016? How do I want to exist? How do I want to live? What do I want 2016 to look and feel like? You know, I, I was very pleased with 2015, but I want 2016 to be even better. I believe God has even greater things in store for myself and my family and for you and for this church. And so I don't want it to just be like 2015. I want to be all that God has in 2016. So last week, we talked about Asaph, who was the choir director in the temple. And, and he wrote this psalm where he was saying, man, I'm looking around and I know that God's good to his people, but we're struggling. I'm struggling. I'm fighting devils. I'm getting uh, chastised every morning. I, I'm fighting on every side and, and I'm not prospering, it seems like. But I look around and evil people, people that have turned away from you, people that have, are making no attempts to live for you, they're prospering. And he was confused by this. They're multiplying. They're getting the better jobs. They're getting the raises. They're getting the bonuses. They're getting the promotions. They're getting the new house. They're getting, their business is succeeding. And I'm trying to do everything for you, God, and I can't seem to get anywhere. And he was struggling with this. But then he realized something. He said, when I went into the sanctuary, when I got into the presence of God, I realized that all of their searching and reaching and all of their prospering will be for naught because they're really dreaming right now. And they're going to wake up one day and just like when you're dreaming and you, and you are, are living in something or you have all this stuff and you wake up and you realize you're back in your old life, those people are going to wake up and realize that all of their gaining was for naught and they will be without for eternity, but I'll be with you in heaven. And so he said, I realize this. That for me, to be near is good. It is good for me to be near. So I'm challenging you to be near God. If you missed last week, I want you to download the podcast, jump on the website this week, and get that, and you be near God. Let's continue. And Ephesians chapter 5, there's a, there's a verse in Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll get to it here in just a moment. It's one of my favorite verses in the entire New Testament. I absolutely love this verse. Um, in chapter 4 of Ephesians, remember that Paul, uh, when, when he wrote Ephesians and Colossians and Corinthians and Romans, these were letters that he was writing to different churches or different groups of people. So the book of Ephesians is actually a letter he wrote to the church at Ephesus. He wrote it in response to things that people had written him about or stories that he had heard about or situations that were going on in the church. So his letter is a response to what's happening in the church. And so he writes this letter and in Ephesians chapter 4, he's talking to the people about this new life that they have in Christ. He's saying, man, you have a new life in Christ and he gave his life for you and I want you to walk with Christ and I want you to live with Christ and I want you to act, act right. And he's telling us how to interact with the world and how to interact with your church. We pick up in verse 1 of chapter 5 now and here's what he says. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Is that a few things? Everything is pretty much inclusive, right? That's kind of the idea behind the word. He says, imitate God, act like God. Don't, don't act like you're high and mighty like God. 
but pattern your life and behavior after the things of God and after His ways. Imitate God in everything you do because you are His dear children. Verse 2, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and He offered Himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So here's what he's saying. Live your life the way Christ did. Live a life of love. Live a life of, of sacrifice. Live a life giving away. Give freely to people. Give love. Give peace. Give happiness. Give joy. Uh, give encouragement. Give it away freely. And, and, and give your life for others. And this is what he's saying to us. Imitate God. Now, he goes on, and for the next few verses, in verse 3 through 14, he gives us some things to steer clear of, so things to watch out for. He says, you need to watch out for sexual immorality. You need to watch out for impurities. You need to watch out for greed. You need to watch out for obscene language. You need to watch out for foolish talk and, and for bad jokes. These are the things he's listing. And then he gets to verse 6, and, and I want to read you this verse because it really just jumps out to me. Watch what he says. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. What, what is he saying there? There's all these sins going on, and, and I think to some degree he's speaking to American Christians now. I mean, he wrote this 2,000 years ago, but he's still speaking to the church today to, because church people, Christian people, have a tendency to sin and then try to excuse their sin. And here's what he says. Put that verse back up there in verse 6. He says, don't be fooled by those people. Who's he talking about? Christian people. Don't be fooled by people who say they're followers of Christ and yet they're trying to excuse these sins. Get rid of them because he's telling you, he's warning us, the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. I don't want to scare you to death today, but I do think we should have our eyes opened to, to are we trying to excuse the sin in our life? Are we justifying sin in our lives? Well, let's keep going. That's not my message today. So he continues on and he says, watch out for this, watch out for that. Verse 15, he's, uh, he says, uh, and we get all the way to verse 15, and here's what he says. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Are you living like a fool or are you living like a wise person? These are tough questions. I love the Apostle Paul. He just gets straight to the point. He's like, man, I don't have a, a secretary typing this up on my computer, so I've got just to use a, is, I've got to handwrite these words, and I'm in prison right now, so let me write them like this. Don't live like a fool. <laughs> Make the most of every opportunity in these days. What is he saying there? Here's what he's saying. If you live a day and you live it acting like a fool, once that day is gone, you can't go get it back. It's gone. You wasted it. You lived like a fool. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Are you living, act, acting uh, thoughtlessly and living like a fool, or are you expending your time wisely doing what the Lord wants you to do? My question to you this year is, how, how many of you, uh, wave your hand at me if you want all that God has for you this year. Just wave your hand at me. I want everything that God has for me. He has good plans for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. The question then becomes, 
comes, how much time have we already wasted acting foolishly and doing things that he doesn't want us to do? Man, we're two weeks, two and a half weeks into the year. How much time have we already let, just let it go because we were acting like fools and acting thoughtlessly instead of saying, God, what do you want me to do? Then he goes on, and this is one of my favorite verses right here. I love it. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. The English Standard Version says, don't be drunk with wine, for that leads to debauchery. Some of you are like, I can't even spell debauchery. <laughs> That's why I went to the New Living Translation. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to talk to you on this subject today. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be filled? How do we get filled? What is he talking about? How can I be filled? Do I really want to be filled? I want to answer these questions for you today. And I believe that God is here and he wants to fill you like never before. Can we pray together? Father, I thank you for your presence. I feel your Holy Spirit even now. You've swept into this place and you have a great desire to fill us today. I'm trusting in you, God. Open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to hear from you and to be challenged by the power of your word. Lord, let my words not be mere words of man's wisdom, but lace them with the power of the Holy Spirit, the demonstration of your son Jesus. Fill us today. Amen. Amen. So, the first thing I want you to know um, about being filled with the Holy Spirit and about this verse is this. Number one is this, and you can write this down. It is an issue of control. It's an issue of control. Here's what he says. Don't be drunk with wine, for that will ruin your life, or that leads to debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. He's, saying, he's contrasting two things here that both, he's saying don't give over control in your life to alcohol or to wine, but give over control to the Holy Spirit. This is what he's saying. It's an issue of control. Well, what do you mean? Well, um, when you get drunk, I know none of you in there here have ever been drunk before, and, and uh, you've never, that's not been you, okay? I, so I, let, let me say it like this. When people you know get drunk, <laughs> they begin to lose control. Their words get slurred, right? Because they can't control their tongue. Uh, they say things that they wouldn't have said if they had all of their faculties, Right? They, when when you, we're trying to walk a straight line, but you can't walk correctly because uh, you, your legs aren't working properly. You are losing control. You try to drive your car and you start swerving all over the place because you can't, you can't drive correctly. You have lost control. And so an officer pulls you over and he gives you a field sobriety test. And he's trying to see, are you in control or have you given over control to the alcohol? Now, now understand, this is not a message preaching against alcohol today, but I will tell you that being drunk is clear in the Bible. It's a clear sin. It's just a clear sin. Alcohol, no, but, but being drunk is. 
But that's not the point of the message. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, when you get drunk, you are giving over control to another substance and and it will lead you to debauchery or it will ruin your life. It will lead you. Debauchery is this. Uh, It's sensual pleasures. Have you ever done something with someone that you wouldn't have done had you not been drinking or on drugs or under the influence of something? That's what he's talking about. Are you under the influence? Debauchery is... The second part is this. That's the modern definition. There's an old definition that is seduction from duty. Here's, here's what happens. Here's what, here's what uh, Paul is saying. He's saying, when, when you give over control to that, to that wine or to that alcohol or to other things that want to influence us, because a lot of things can, can take control of us. It could be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be emotions. It could be habits. It could be addictions. It could be other people that are, that are, that are not godly people that are trying to control us, right? All types of things. He said, when you give a control over that, it will lead you to a place where you, you are seduced from doing what you were supposed to do the way you were supposed to do it. So instead of being a good father, you're a, a, a drunk. So instead of acting right and being a good husband, you end, out, end up making mistakes. Instead of being a good friend, you chew your friend out because you don't even know what you just said. Let me ask you this question. How many regrets in your life involve being influenced by alcohol, drugs, the wrong people, negative emotions, or the desire for fame and success? How many regrets, when you say, man, I really regret that, involve being influenced by something else? Why? Because when we give over control, we allow someone else to influence and someone else or something else to control us, we end up doing things that often mess up our life. And that's what Paul's saying. Ask yourself this question today. You say, well, that pastor's up there preaching against alcohol. It's not the point. I'm talking about this. How many regrets in your life involve being influenced by something controlling you or someone controlling you? And and, and because of that, you did something you would have never done on your own. And you go, now you look back six months later, a year later, 10 years later, you're like, man, I, I regret that big time. And when you tell the story, you say, you know, I wasn't going to do it, but, but somebody convinced me. I wasn't going to do it, but, you know, I had had a few too many. I wasn't going to do it, but I was, I was depressed and I was down and I ended up doing it anyway because I, I just couldn't stop myself. Do those words sound familiar? And we end up regretting things. It's an issue of control. And so Paul's saying, don't give over control to things and, and people that are going to ruin your life, that are going to lead you to debauchery, lead you to uh, seeking the sensual pleasures of your life, what do we do then? We turn over control to the Holy Spirit. We turn over control to the Holy Spirit. This is number two. Um, be filled with the Holy Spirit, not with the things of this world. Don't be filled with, with bad things, but be filled with, with God and, and the things of God. Now, I'm going to try to do this illustration here and see if... Uh, See if we can get this right. So, how many of you have ever heard it said that nature abhors a vacuum? Nature abhors a vacuum. Here's the thing. If, if you are empty in your life, uh, something will fill you up. 
Something will fill you. You won't stay empty forever. Something will fill you. You, you'll, you will be filled with something, someone. Uh, we, we are filled with things. And so we look up in our lives, and, and we've been going through life and, and uh, being filled with things, but not of God. So we're filled with things like um, being controlled by alcohol, being controlled by drugs, being controlled by uh, negative emotions. May, maybe it's uh, addictions, right? Any type of addiction in your life that's controlling you. And, and we go through our life and it's, it's, it's controlling us. It's taking charge. We have mindsets in our lives. Uh, things that, mindsets like, man, I, I've always been a less than. I never could do that. I just, I'm broke. I've always been broke. I'm always going to be broke. So I just function as if I'm broke. And I'm never going to have what everyone else has. And, or, or, or I can't beat this because I've tried to quit smoking, but I can't I'd never get it done. So I just have this mindset. I'm just going to have to live with it. I, I, and so we get mindsets that control us. We keep going. We end up with assumptions. You know, there's a whole lot of Christian people that try to be faithful to God, but they work under the assumption that God answers the pastor's prayers, but not their prayers. That God loves the elders and, and, the, and the youth pastors and the worship leader, but God doesn't love them. That God doesn't want to be in their, involved in their life. He, he, he just wants to be involved in the leader's life. And if I can't be a leader, I'm not, I can't do that good. And, and I've got all these problems, so God doesn't want to be involved. So I just work under the assumption that God doesn't want to be involved in my life. He doesn't love me. He doesn't care. Then I have habits. Habits. Not all like bad habits, but but habits that are causing us to be stuck and causing us to not be filled. We, we, we get in the habit of, of getting up every morning and, and turning on a radio station, but never turning on any worship and any time to pray for God. We, we get in the habit of the moment we get home, the last thing we do before we go to, we go to bed is, is watch some bad news on TV, but we never stop and pray at all. And we end up with habits that are controlling us. And you look up and we have negative things going on in our life. Our, our outlook on life and the world is negative. Why? Because we are, we are being controlled by the negativity that we're feeding ourselves. Went through a divorce. My heart is broken. I'm hurting. I'm depressed. I'm struggling. And those negative emotions are controlling me. My husband cheated on me. He left me for a younger version. And I'm angry and I'm mad at the world and I'm bitter. And because of that, I'm being controlled by it. Someone died in your life. Someone you love. And that grief is controlling you. Every morning when you wake up, it's the first thing on your mind. Every night when you go to sleep, it's the last thing you remember. You feel like joy and happiness will never come again. Because emotions, resentment, disappointment, unforgiveness, hatred. All these things. The list goes on. Our desires. Desires for the things of the world sin in our life, past mistakes that we've made. And all these continue to fill us. Our plans, our dreams, our way, the way we want to do it. People, people that control us. Maybe it's people that love us or we think they love us. 
Maybe they're not necessarily evil people, but we look up and we're filled and we're controlled by all of these things. And then we come to God, who is our rock and our firm foundation, and we say, fill us. But there's no room for God. And you come to worship service and you say, Father, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. I I want what they have. And he's saying, I'm trying, but there's no room. There's no room in your life for the Holy Spirit. There's no room in your life for God. It's not that you don't want him. And it's not that he doesn't want to fill you. It's that you're filled with so much other stuff. You're being controlled by all these things that God can't fit in your life. Let me tell you, God is not made to be an add-on to your life. He's not an add-on. He's not an option that you just, well, I've got my life going. Let me just get God to put him right there on top like he's the topper on a Christmas tree. That is not what God is. He wants to be the center of our lives. He wants to be the core of our lives. He wants to fill us, but he can't do it if we're already filled up with things of this world. Let me ask you this question. Are you fillable? Are you fillable? Pastor Ryan, I don't know if I'm fillable. Is your life already full of stuff that's controlling you and influencing you and helping you make decisions and helping you live and it's controlling the way you think and it's controlling the way you respond and the way you react? Are you fillable? Is constant control a concern in your life? If, if you are so worried about giving over control to God, you're not fillable. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. Are you fillable? I'm not talking about, do you, do you come to church every Sunday? Do you sing when the choir sings? Do you amen when the pastor is preaching the paint off the walls? Hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about if you serve as an usher or in the nursery or as a greeter. I'm talking about, are you fillable? Have you made room for God in your life every day? If you're already full, there's no room for God. We've got to make room for the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you. He just can't. He wants to step in, but he can't. Here's the thing. I don't know what I would be like without all this stuff. You know, we get so busy living like this, carrying this around, that we don't know what life would feel like if this is not who we were. And so we're afraid to let it go. But let me tell you something about God. When the Holy Spirit fills you, first of all, the helper comes in. He'll help you every day of your life, every moment of every day. Secondly, he's a comforter. And when you're going through difficult times, you don't have to turn to things that may comfort you temporarily but lead you to trouble you can turn to the comforter himself and he'll step in and he'll help you and he'll lift you up you can turn to the guide when you don't know what to do and you're just going off your old habits and your old ways if you'll let them go the holy spirit will step in and he'll guide you when you're confused here's the thing about the holy spirit he brings gifts when he comes so when you don't know what to do he'll step in and say how about some words of wisdom for you when when you're not sure 
sure what your future holds, he says, how about a word of prophecy, a gift of prophecy here? When you're struggling with your faith and you don't know what to believe, he'll say, here's some faith for you. When you need a miracle in your life and you've done all you can do and you say, God, step in, how about the gift of working of miracles? When you're in need, when you need healing in your body and the doctors and you're trying to live on their influence and listen, go to the doctor, but while you're at the doctor, let the Holy Spirit step in and let the gift of healing invade your body. You see, the Holy Spirit will fill you, but you've got to make room for Him. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, the fruits of the Spirit are, are these, but the Holy Spirit produces love and joy and peace and kindness and patience and goodness and faithfulness and, and gentleness and self-control. Here's the thing. You don't have to fight the anger anymore because He wants to give you love. And you don't have to fight the anxiety and the stress and the worry because He wants to give you peace. And you don't have to to fight the resentment because he loves you and he created you and if you'll just let it go and if you'll just take some stuff out so that God can have room in your life if you're di- addicted today and you're struggling you can't control your own addictions hey you know what he wants to give you self-control here's the thing about God if you give him control he multiplies it and gives you more self-control than you ever had on your own but we've got to make room for God you say, Pastor Rennan, I'm sad and I don't know what I would do without the grief. Good news. He said the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And so you can be joy, not because of what's going on, but despite what's going on. In every situation, you can be joyful. But what we have to do is we have to make some room for God. I'm confused, Pastor. I don't know what to do. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you and he's going to help you. I'm unsure, so I need some discernment in my life. And, and, and I don't know if you're out there today, but we get to a place in our life where we're so desperate. We say, I can't go pebble by pebble to try to get the stuff out of my life. But God, I'm laying it all at your altar. And here's my cup, God. Fill me up. Fill me up with your Holy Spirit. Put you back in me. Fill me with everything that I need. Fill me to the top. Fill me to the brim, oh God. I can't live this way any longer. We can say to the anger in our lives, it's you or me. But I declare that love is going to stay and joy is going to stay. You say, well, Pastor Ryan, I can't live the way you live. How do you do it? I'll tell you, I can't stay mad very long because peace says it's either peace or anger, not both. And I'll tell you that the Holy Spirit comes first and his fruits come first. So yeah, do I get angry? Absolutely, but it can't stay. It's got to go because peace and love and joy and happiness and goodness and gentleness and kindness and self-control. And so I say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. God, remove everything that is not of you. Get it out of the way. Lord, empty my cup of the cares of the world and the things of this world. I have been begging for more of you, God, and I didn't realize that if I could get rid of the junk and the old stuff and the things that were influencing me, there's not a shortage of God. There's a shortage of room in my life. And so we come back to God and we put in the Holy Spirit first. 
And the rest of our life starts to come together and he fills us because he won't leave us empty, but he leaves us with all of his gifts and all of his good things. And he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. He'll never leave you alone. You'll never be in lack. He'll fill you with good things. If you'll lay down your dreams and your plans, he'll give you his plans. And here's the thing about God's plans. If you could do it on your own, it's not what God has for you. It's only a piece. It's only a piece. His plan requires him. That's the way he set it up. So lay it down so he can fill you up. My prayer for you is that God would fill you with his Holy Spirit. But what we have to do is be willing to lay it at the altar. Jesus said, come to, you, come to me, all you weary, and those who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. we got to lay it at his feet. Cast your cares upon Jesus, for he cares for you. Will you make room for Jesus? Will you make room for the Holy Spirit in your life? He will fill you if you'll make room. Now, I want to go just a little bit further, and I'm going to close today. Because I want to talk a little bit more about exactly what Paul is saying when he uses this word. Are you receiving this morning? First off, I want you to understand something. Paul is writing to the church. Okay? He's writing to church people. He's writing to me and he's writing to you. And when he says, instead be filled, you have to understand something. This is not a request. It's not an option. When you go and you study the Greek and how he laid it out, it is a command. He's saying, be filled. He's commanding us, be filled. I'm trying to get you to live right. I'm trying to get you to act right. I'm trying to get you to be the overcomer that God's called you to be. So what do you have to do? Be filled. No, it's not, not, well, I don't want that part. I don't want this. No, no, be filled. What does he mean here? Be filled. And you can look these definitions up. If you, if you have a strong concordance, you can look these up. Here's what the word means. To cause to abound or supply liberally. There is no shortage of God in your life. If you'll make room for him, he'll pour himself into you. You don't have to go through your life wondering, where is God? He'll supply liberally everything that you need. He'll supply it liberally. Paul says, I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit to the point where you have a liberal supply or or you are abounding with so much of the Holy Spirit that you never run out. There's always enough. Have you ran short of God? Didn't seem to be there when you were calling Him. You prayed, but nothing happened. You need to be filled today. Make room that He might fill you. The second is this. The second definition is this, to render full or complete. What does that mean? So so, uh, the Bible theologians, they went deeper. They said, let me break it down to you like this. First off, it means uh, nothing shall be wanting. Filled to the top to the point that nothing shall be wanting. That's where I want you to be in your life. So full of God that you don't even want anything else. Why? Because he's supplying all of your needs according to his riches and glory. And he goes on and he says, um, to make perfect or complete in every part. You know what I've realized in my life? 
I have messed things up and I have messed up my container and I have all these flaws and these scars and these holes and these imperfections and these struggles that I have in my life and things that I've gone through and my bowl is messed up. But God said, don't you worry about it. I'm going to fill it all. I'm going to perfect it. So God can take all of my struggles and all of my pains and all of my mistakes and he can perfect them so that they're beautiful and he can fill them. You don't have to get it all right. You don't have to band-aid everything. Just come to God, and he'll perfect your imperfections. Then we keep going. He says it means to carry through to the end. That means he's not going to stop short. You're not going to be walking with God one day, and all of a sudden, God just stops, and he leaves you out there on your own. No, no, no. He wants to carry you through to the end. When he fills you, he wants to carry you all the way through to the point of completion. Everything he's spoken over you, everything he's promised you, he wants to complete it in you and he will be with you all along the way. And then he says this, and and this is one of my favorites because he didn't, he's not just doing this for us uh, so that we can look good and feel good and, and act good when we come to church. But he's doing it because he wants to carry into effect, to, to bring to a realization. He's doing it for a purpose. What does that mean, to carry into effect or bring to a realization? First off, in matters of duty and the things you have to do. He said, I, I, he said it'll cause you to perform or execute at a higher level than you could have on your own. What does that mean? If you're a father in the room, you may be a good father on your own, but if you'll allow the Holy Spirit to fill you, you'll be an even better father. When you go to work, you may be good at your job, but if the Holy Spirit will fill you, you will perform and execute at a higher level than you could have on your own. Everything you have, everything you do, he wants to cause you to perform or execute at a better, a higher level. Then he, then he goes on. He says, I want to bring into realization the sayings and the promises and the prophecies to bring to pass or to accomplish everything that he said he would do. Bring them into realization. They were always there, but he's going to cause them to come alive and be realized in your life. You see, there's words that have been spoken over you. Promises that have been spoken over you that you haven't realized yet. They're just floating out there. But God said, I want them to be realized. I want them to become real in you. And then he goes on and he says, uh, it means to fulfill, to help you obey God's will and fulfill every purpose that he has on your life. Every purpose. He wants you to fulfill it. God doesn't want to just fill you. He wants to fill you for a purpose. And when he fills you, he calls things to come into effect. He brings realization. I, I want to speak some words over you now. Allow me to speak prophetically over your life in the next two minutes. You didn't realize you could be great. You didn't realize you could be a great father, a great mother, a great friend, a great business person, a great Christian. You didn't realize it that God would make you a a great student, but he's going to make you realize that this year. If you will be filled with the Holy Spirit, you will realize what he's doing in your life. He wants to bring realization to every area of your life. You didn't realize you could actually do what he said. Maybe you've read in the scripture 
promises. You've heard me preach or others preach and you've heard prophetic words and they've been given to you or have been read over you and and you've heard people say over things to you but you haven't realized them. I declare that in 2016, God is going to bring every word, every promise, every prophetic word, every good thing that has been spoken over you. He's going to bring it to realization. He's going to cause it to come to pass in your life. You didn't realize you could live right and see the dreams and the plans that God has for you. You didn't realize that He wanted to use you to make a difference in the lives of people around you. But in 2016, He wants to bring this realization in your life to cause you to be that all that He designed you to be. You felt unfulfilled. He wants to fulfill you. You felt unneeded. He wants to bring you purpose in your life. Let Him fill you. I declare that this is a year of fulfilled prophecies and promises for you God wants to empower you you felt weak like you didn't have enough he wants to empower you he has big things in store for you in 2016 but it requires you to be filled Pastor Ryan, I, I don't know how to fill myself that's the whole point you can't fill yourself you're not the filler he is As long as you're trying to do it on your own, he'll sit there and watch you. But if you allow him to fill you, he'll help you all the way through. Today, I want to challenge you to be filled in your life. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants to do great things for you. But it starts with saying, Lord, I want to make room. I I want to make room. I don't know how, but I want to make room. Would you make room for the Holy Spirit? In a moment, these altars are going to be open and we're just going to take a little time and we can do two things. You can come to the altar and you can give things to God yourself and just you and God and just find a moment to worship God, pray with God and say, Lord, I'm laying this stuff at your feet. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Or we're going to have prayer partners ready to pray with you. If you've never received the Holy Spirit, it's a free gift from God. All you have to do is ask. And our Father will give us the good gift of the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray with you that you'd be filled with the Holy Spirit today. That when you leave here, you won't, be, you won't leave filled with the troubles of your life. The worries and the doubts and the anxieties and the stress and the depression and the troubles and the, and the trials and the addictions and the pain and the guilt and the shame and the embarrassment and, and, the, and the habits and the old mindsets and the old assumptions. But you'll leave here filled with the Holy Spirit. 2016 is your year. I want to ask you to stand with me for just a moment. I want to pray with you, and then we're going to open these altars in worship. You can find a place yourself, or you can come pray with a prayer partner. Father, thank you for sending us the Holy Spirit. I felt him at work in this place today. Even now, Holy Spirit, you're, you're bringing things into our minds that, that we're filled with, stuff that needs to go. Some of it is bad and we know it's bad. Others of it, we meant for it to be good, but we didn't realize it was taking your place. So Holy Spirit, fill us. Fill us today. Help us to pour out our lives to you, to bring our burdens to you. You said you would carry them and then you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. So Father, do that for your people today. Holy Spirit, work in this place. In Jesus' name, let 2016 
let us be filled. How do we want to be in 2016? How do we want to live? How do we want to exist? We want to live filled. Filled with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.